3: College football is returning to Dublin this summer, yet the Aviva Stadium will host the 2024 Lingers College Football Classic, Georgia Tech, Florida State, August 24th. you got to be there. Game tickets available in March 2024, but, and here's the kicker, in the meantime, you can register your interest at collegefootballireland.com. Go to collegefootballireland.com, get exclusive updates, team news, access to the pre-sale. So make sure you don't miss out. If you don't want to miss out, Because Propo's going to be there. And if that wasn't enough, Ben's going to be there as well. What a game it's going to be. CollegeFootballIsland.com. Get involved. Hello and welcome to The Nat Coombe Show and our Week 14 preview special. My God, Week 14... Where the hell does the time go, gang? Well, I guess when you're talking ball and having fun, it kind of makes sense that it flies by. And that's definitely what we're doing on today's show. Really, really delighted to welcome George Agator, a.k.a. George on Sports, one of the brightest talents in the game right now. He's making his season debut, making his show debut, which is entirely remiss of us. But, hey, we're making up for lost time. He is a big Colts fan. So we're going to deep dive into the AFC South, one of the most intriguing divisions of the right now. Certainly one of the divisions that has the biggest upside for the future. Could be one of the key divisions for years to come. And right now, I think it's a three-way fight for the South with the Lawrence injury, with the Colts hanging in there, the Texans, of course, the, the big surprise package of the season. A lot of talk about the South. Their games this weekend, those three teams, the run-ins, who's going to make the cut. We'll look at some of the other big games from the Week 14 slate as well. And of course, George will play 57 seconds. And if that wasn't enough, Benny's dropping by to rant about the FSU missing the playoffs debacle. And we're not just saying that because we're FSU fans and because FSU are coming over next summer to Dublin. And we're going to be across that, of course. It was daylight robbery. Ben's going to tell you why. So that's coming in a minute. But first up, let's check in with the brilliant George on Sports. George, good to see you, man. First time on the show as well.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, it's it's great. crazy it's, it's taking this long, frankly. and I, I, I blame Propo <laughs> entirely for that, by the way. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Pleasure to, have, pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking some ball. Well, I'm loving, loving that idea. You know, we
3: refer to the great J-Bell on this show is the hardest working man in showbiz. That is a trademark. I think he's patents there. I think we're all in the NFL UK community aware. <laughs> you might be number two on the, in the power rankings.
2: <laughs> You're
3: everywhere right now. You're putting in the grind. I love to see that.
2: Yeah, man, I'm always trying to do more, you know, um, I'm, I'm never going to say no to, to create more content, be it podcast, be it an event, be it a player interview. So I'm trying to be everywhere. So I'm glad that you have said that. Thank you for saying that. And um, I guess the grind, that's what it is. It continues, man. We've got to get you
3: into the college football tip because we were just chatting just before we started recording. And you were saying, oh, uh, you guys just got back from not so long from Tallahassee, Florida, yeah. where me and Benny went out there, of course, for the Florida State um, Miami game. More from mm. Ben later on, by the way, because Ben's going to join the show a bit later on to have a rant about the fact that Florida State were frankly robbed uh as far yeah. as as far as the playoffs were concerned. We'll leave Ben to to vent a bit later. But we're going to get you on that tip as well, man. We're going to get at least at the very least out to Dublin for the game next summer.
2: I've actually been I've been to one, it was some years ago now, the um the Notre Dame and that's how I became a Notre Dame fan actually. Ah, Notre okay. Dame and Army game, I think in the Viva Stadium back Yeah in- yeah oh yeah that was last year. That was last summer. That just shows how hard you're working. Yeah, I last you... went in 2015, I think it was. Yeah, oh, hang on, was there one yeah. in 2015? Those well? games were okay. great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's one that I was at. Gotcha. Because
3: there was what well, that was that was the game last um, Notre Dame. Was last summer, of course. And yeah, I thought the whole last 12 months was blurring into into one field. Well, we'll get you this time because it's Florida State, Georgia Tech. Yes. Uh, we put the link in the show notes how you can uh, put early uh, early requests in for information. Early release of tickets. Lots and lots of chat about that. Come in, come in your way, gang, over the coming months. Love the crew over in Dublin for the Erlingers College Football Classic. Right. Let's get down to business, George. Now, you are yes. uh, wearing an Indianapolis Colts uh, hoodie right now. Uh, well, certainly it's a sweat. Is it a hoodie? I don't know. Anyway, it looks good. It's it looks a sweat, good. yeah. Of it. There you go. Um, uh, those of you, of course, who have subscribed to our YouTube channel, brand new YouTube channel. Shout out to the fledgling crew over there. If you haven't, what the hell are you doing? And plenty of you clearly haven't because I look at the numbers and not many of you subscribers to the pod have gone over to YouTube. Go get involved with that and you'll see George's George's quarter zip uh, in, in full effect. Lots of videos from the show, extra bonus stuff over on our YouTube channel, the NC show. Colts fan. Why, why the Colts?
2: Good question. Um, And I get asked this a lot because the Colts aren't really one of those high market sort of teams that people think of, which I love, by the way. So Mm. for me, over 15 years ago now, um, when I decided to get involved in the sport, I said to myself, all right, I'm going to start playing video games because I play video games and Madden was the first time I played a video game. And I told myself whatever team pops up on the loading screen or when it asks you to pick your favorite team, that's the team I'm going to choose by default. No research, no glory hunting, no okay. color schemes, no references to States. And it was a horseshoe. And that was it. It just happened to be the Peyton Manning era. So good for me.
1: <laughs>
3: <Just> coincidentally
2: <laughs> happened. That is it. Yeah. And I've, I've rolled with them ever since. Obviously we've had a very, um, very difficult time in the QB carousel in the QB room and the team as a whole. But I mean, come on right now, we are so underrated, man. So underrated. I
3: love. I mean, I love that story first of all, and I love. I love the fact that it was so arbitrary. You know, that's the. I guess in 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 many cases that's the case, right? You have lots of UK fans who are. Oh, my parents came back from the states, or you know, one of my parents were traveling on business and came back with this, or we went on a holiday here, or my uncle got me this random thing for Christmas, and that's why. And I mean, I was. Just turning on the turning on the TV and the first game I saw w- involved the Dolphins and Marino in that era. And there's a lot of Dolphins fans, I think, from that era. And, okay, this is my team there. They look yep. crazy cavalier. Didn't realize they weren't going to win anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, hey, this is our year. This yeah. is our year, George. But so hey, I love that. Just take what comes up. And, and it's been, it's been a, I guess, overall a good pick. And you must be feeling pretty good about yourself right now about how things are let's let's talk afc south i really want to deep dive with you today in the AFC south for, for obvious reasons right you, you can yeah. really wax lyrical on the colts but the whole race for the south is is intriguing right um yeah looking at, looking at the the um statistical Projections for making the playoffs because we love that on the show anyway. In particular, when it's like in-game, ESPN do this with the statistical win probabilities. <laughs> love yeah. that. Love that. Sometimes it's <laughs> ridiculous, but there's generally a lot of merit. I think in uh, in the playoff predictions based on um, you know expected wins, looking at uh, the strength of schedule and, and weighing that up. And the Athletic have a very good one. They model the Colts' chances of making the playoffs as sixty-one point seven percent. Right, which okay. looks like you'll just squeak in in the seventh spot, 9.6 uh, expected win. I'm not sure how that's going to play out, <laughs> mm, but uh, yeah Hen's probably going to do it. Nine's yep. going to be nervy, nervesville, right? So either way, at seven and five, the fact we're having this conversation right now, I mean, you must be a surprise made up. How are you feeling about that?
2: Right. So at the start of this season, after we drafted Anthony Richardson, mm. my, my aim for the team was just to build and make some chemistry. Right. I was aiming for nothing more than five wins purely because really? okay. first new head coach in Shane Starkin, who, by the way, is 100% in a shout for, for coach of the year, no matter what be, anybody right? says. It has to be. It has to be. Um, and, and you know, know me, the favourite
3: a- for that is? I was looking at the, o- cause it- we love the, yeah, go on. D'Amico, is it? No, that's what I thought as well. Yeah, Dan Uh-oh. Campbell is the bookie's favourite right now. Oh, it's, see, really, uh, it's all
2: really tight there, but yeah. Yeah, I'll come back to that in a moment, okay. but... um with the Colts it was it for me five wins let's build on this chemistry let's see what we can do with the likes of Josh Downs let's get JT back and Anthony Richardson let's create that that pick your poison element for for every other defense out there because if you have a guy like AR5 Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor in that backfield you know defenses are in trouble mm-hmm. lo and behold that all falls you know falls off a cliff and not just that but the things that the Colts have been doing with with without their main pieces Anthony Richardson Jonathan Taylor for the majority of the season both our starting cornerbacks and Juju Burns who's been out Long term, Dallas Flowers on IR um, slot receiver Ashton Julian, who people completely forget about, was mm. you know, towards Achilles in preseason, out for the season. DeForest, uh, sorry, Grover Stewart suspended yeah. for six games. We lost Isaiah Rogers, our starting cornerback, to a suspension. He was then traded to Philadelphia Eagles. A backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew and a first time head coach in Shane Steichen. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Obviously, yeah. Darius Leonard has been go. Co- Right. So for me,
1: you lay the- it all out. Yeah.
2: And to be seven and five, one spot below the top of the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars, three and two in a division, you know, it's 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 what Shane has done. And I've spoken to a number of the Colts players out in Frankfurt. Um, on social media and Shane Steichen has transformed this entire organization from top to bottom and mm. for me he is 100% the right guy for the, for, the, for this team to take him forward and it's about finding ways to win and that's exactly what the Colts have done they've found ways to win be it offense special teams defense um defensively we have one of the top top 3 defensive line in the league without a doubt we have we're second in the league in, in, in sacks only behind the Ravens, I believe. Um, And again, this is without our main guys up front. Um, And if you look around the squad, technically you could say, you know, we don't necessarily have all the pieces there. The run game might be there with with, uh, Zach Moss and JT, a great one-two punch. Michael Pittman Jr., clear wide receiver one with what he's been doing this season. Uh, But then it takes... Exactly, it takes a little bit of a drop. We have Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, by the way, from North Carolina, is immense, great talent. But what we're doing with what we've got is is unprecedented. And I think you know we're 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 making headway for the playoffs. We're looking good right now. Cincinnati up next. The AFC South with the injury to Trevor Lawrence is all for the taking.
3: I want to get to the Bengals. game. I want to get to the Lawrence injury as well. But you make so many great points there. Firstly, it is extraordinary when we think about it. We think about the. The the two of the three favorites because underneath Campbell, I think Steichen is well. I don't know if Vegas has him third, but either way, to have two of the AFC South coaches, and specifically the Colts and the yep. Texans coach in the in the running for yep. Coach of the Year,
2: crazy After right? Week
3: fourteen, nobody would have called <laughs> that is crazy. And yeah. there is there are a lot of parallels as you have really articulately defined there. Different reasons, I guess, to a degree with the Texans, but the same principle. Mm-hmm punching up right so the creating and we saw this last year with dayball and the giants probably seen this with mcveigh and the rams this season in in a way as well but you look at the sum total whether that's because of injury or suspension or or exit the the cult shouldn't be in the in playoff contention it shouldn't be happening but it is right and as you rightly said that shane steichen has got to take a huge amount of credit for that Elaborate on that for me a little bit more. What is a and styken that is that is proving so effective?
2: Yeah. And I again to this to answer this question, I asked I asked this exact question to a number of players, um, the center, um, Ryan Kelly, Pro Baller. I asked this mm-hmm. to DeForest Buckner, Julio Blackman, and they all had the same answer, which shows me that it's working. It's competitiveness and winning, it's that mentality. Shane has come in the building and what he's done is he's, he's encouraged competitiveness in every way, shape or form. So I'm talking in the meeting rooms, they have competitive games where they, you know, they, they have competition amongst the different positions on the field, off the field. They want to breed that mentality of, listen, we have the players to win. You need to believe we can win. Um, And he has literally transitioned trickled that down from top to bottom through the Mm -hmm. entire organization. Whilst I was in Frankfurt, I spoke to a number of the media team, uh, the Colts media team, the comms team, um, Again, Shane Sycan and some of the players. And literally, it's echoed it's just not the squad, the 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 personnel of the entire franchise right. echoes this same thing. Um, obviously, he's you know, he's come from a winning team, if you like it, in the Eagles yeah. and, and, and what they do there. Um, and what he's he what he's been able to bring is the fun element, the competitive element, but also mm-hmm. people respect him and they want to play for him. This is no shade on previous head coaches, it's just Shane people want to play for Shane. People want him to be, you know, they want, they want to do what he's asking them to do. Um, He he also brings an element of creative play calling, which honestly has been second to none. Some of the play calling that he has devised for this squad. um, And again, people, people will say we don't necessarily have the pieces. Like you mentioned earlier, technically, we shouldn't technically shouldn't be, you know, in this position. I mean, I'd even argue we should be eight and four really, because the Browns game is very, very, very um, debatable, but Shane is doing all the right things. He's ticking all the right boxes. Mm. When you have the players, the the team personnel, comms teams, all the way down to, to, to medical staff who are echoing the same message, you know, the head coach has done something right.
3: You know, George, that's such a great point because if you, if you distill it down at surface level, the, that every organization, maybe with the exception of uh the urban Meyer Jags <laughs> in recent memory, gonna <laughs> yeah. say the same thing, right? They're gonna say, We want to competitive, we want to fight to win, you know. They it's all the same kind of messaging. Yeah. So the question then becomes how do you take that from hyperbole or a superficial soundbite and and make it make it policy and ingrain yeah. it? And uh, we've talked about this a bit on the show in, in the past and and by no means is he the, the the obviously the only head coach to to achieve this but maybe the blueprint in the modern NFL and certainly amongst the great examples of this is Bill Walsh going to the 49ers right and you yep. look and analyze and read about and Walsh Walsh's own books are brilliant to read I really recommend them look about how he did look at how he did that so taking the concept and applying it and to your point it's all about the level of detail across the organization yeah. And a- applying those concepts in different areas beyond, you know, beyond the field, beyond training, beyond mm-hmm. game day. It's obviously essential that they appear in both of those as well. But how do you take that beyond? So to hear that they're having competitive games in in yep. film rooms, in in meetings and and the uniformity of of that philosophy across the organization is fundamental and it's like, key yeah clearly yeah something's going right and and yeah just on a tangential point have you what do you watch any of the the new dolphins hard knocks in season hard
2: knocks i've actually not seen it yet i'm I'm due to one, a little to yeah up.
3: i queued it up and i only caught like sort of 15 20 minutes of it mm-hmm. but everything you'd expect about mcdaniel right is is represented there and it's what i particularly love about McDaniel and I think most people obviously I'm a Dolphins fan but I think yeah. most most <laughs> people do right most people like like what the Dolphins are doing uh love watching them play but also McDaniel he's a he's a fascinating character because yep. he is so unorthodox and it again it shouldn't work like you look at a a, a character like him mm-hmm. who commands this respect kind of uniformly but doesn't force the issue doesn't fake anything doesn't try and be doesn't kind of hang out with the big defensive lineman and like try and sort of swagger a bit, you know, he's just, he's just completely himself in every situation.
2: Do you know what it is? So for me, and and I say Shane has this too. So you mentioned um, Mike with Daniels there, I say Shane as well. It's, I know I always say this, right? This is a game where you put, you're putting trust in your squad to go out there and perform, right? They These are athletes. They can do that. The difference is do they want to go out and do that for you? And why should they want to go out and do it for you? Obviously they want to win for themselves, but as a head coach, for me, one of the key things is emotional intelligence and being able to have relationships with your, with your squad. Big time. Mike McDaniels does that in abundance. 100%. You can just see it. They love the guy. And I say the same for Shane Starkin because it echoes I me. Mean, they, they, you have to have, the want for your head coach. I mean, how many times do we see organizations who, you know, they sign new head coaches. I'm looking at the Raiders here in particular yeah. where the head coach has no relationship with their players. Absolutely none. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't convince him in the locker room to do anything. Mm. Then you see a guy like Mike McDaniels and a guy like Shane and where I've seen it firsthand, you know, they love their head coach. They want to play for their head coach and having that emotional intelligence and in particular in the league like the NFL where, you know, it's a game of inches. You can win that side of the emotional battle. You know, you've done half the job. Yeah, it's such a great point. You mentioned the Bengals on Sunday, bringing this
3: back to the Colts, right? And looking at the running, so Bengals on Sunday, then you've got Steelers, Falcons, Raiders, and the Texans last yeah. of the season. I mean, that could be a playing game, right? I mean, it, yeah. it
2: most likely will be, won't it? I mean, it's looking that way. The way the way certain results have gone, so obviously the Bengals beat the Jags um, a couple nights ago, which works well in our favor because yeah, that, yeah. obviously we're now one spot behind. But I mean, at this point in the season the way results have gone, the way we're playing, uh, um, you know, you never want to say this game, win this game. Is not because any game in the NFL can, can go either way, but technically, you know, that Texans game is going to be key. Very, very, very key. And, but don't forget it's a, it's an interdivision game already. You know, we're already mm-hmm. three and two in a division of, uh, you know, ahead of, ahead of the Texans, which is why we're second and they're third. So we yeah. can, we can make it to that game. Um, and hey, we might even get JT if we can get JT back as well earlier than prescribed. I mean, I think they're saying three to five weeks. Mm. Um, Ideally, you want him back before that, so we can plug him into that lineup. But man, it's it's going to be a roller coaster of emotion for sure. I mean, the Texans, the, the Titans game, sorry, was already a roller coaster. You know, winning that game, sweeping mm. the Titans, home and away. I mean, what a feeling! What a feeling! And then. So now look ahead to Cincinnati, who they don't have Joe Burrow, but they have Browning who put up over 300 yards and, you know, he's looking good. Insane numbers, right? So this is, this jumped out of me. So Browning, and if
3: I I think everyone would have seen the headlines, obviously with the Cincinnati win and Browning having a big game, but it was more than a big game, right? I mean, clutch showing a lot of different Mm -hmm. range and statistically, he completed 32 of 37, which is an 86 percent completion rate and 354 yards. Uh, the uh, NFL Stats and Research report this only the seventh time in NFL history that a quarterback has completed at least 86 percent and that number of yards. Right? Because I guess there's probably a lot of I need to look at it, but a lot of examples of very high completion rate for 124 yards because he's dinking it, dinking it. Here, yeah, here, here, yeah. There. So, but listen to the company he's in, right? So sometimes these lists are just nonsense and hyped up stats that don't mean anything. But on that list, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Lamar oh. Jackson, Vinny Testaverdi, who okay, maybe isn't an all time great but was I mean, God, he played twenty years yeah. ago as well.
2: Rich yeah. Gannon. I mean, some names on that and Also, list. I think he's undrafted as well. Um, Browning he wasn't undrafted right. yeah yeah. so for him to do that I mean this is the thing right you got to realise this the NFL you know I always say stands for not for long so you might have someone drop out <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then you get in your backups at the end of the day When the backup steps in, okay, they haven't had necessarily a lot of play time. Fine, you might lose the game. You then have a whole week to scheme and practice. And this is why I say you've got to put positions in players, put players in positions to succeed. If you know Browning can do certain things well, you will, you know, you will rely on that. But you've also got the run game now for the Bengals where Mixon's popping up with over 100 yards and two touchdowns. He's been relatively quiet all season. And if you look on the other side of the ball coming back to the Colts, our weakness right now is the run game. However, I say that we now have the return of, Top five running uh, d- uh top five defensive lineman who could stop the running Grover Stewart, who'd been suspended mm. for six games, who's now coming back for this Bengals game. And I tell you what, this is gonna be a hell of a game. A hell of a game. Despite that, I mean, despite you you're right, a resurgent run
3: game, ground game for them. Uh, and Browning. I, I guess the key with Browning, I don't want to rain on the Browning parade. <laughs> because, I mean, what a performance. But yeah, as I Mike always says, you know, with the backups are you going to have a cup of coffee and mm-hmm. a couple of flashy games doable, but can you, can you maintain it? Right. And that's exactly. often why, a, uh, why a quarterback ultimately has a backup trajectory as opposed to a start, mm-hmm. which leads us nicely into Gardner Minshew, I think. So where are you on Minshew? Because I mean, this season, more than many in recent memory, we have bemoaned the lack of, depth in the quarterback position right mm-hmm. something came up on the monday show with Ian, and me and i and Mike that that's in the vault incidentally as always on Mike monday's something that Tarico said about the uh idiosyncrasy of this era that there's a of this year in particular there's a crew of top tier quarterbacks and there isn't this second tier which i, I and i respect Tarico massively but i totally disagree with that because i think demonstrably there's a second tier it's that dac to uh oh yeah back to a tier, right? Which I think is quite comparable to, to to years gone by. And I know, I guess what he's saying is that in years gone by, you might have had a burger Rivers second tier, or mm. kind of, you know, maybe they were the bottom of the top tier, but you get my point, Eli, yeah. that mix as well. And and the caliber of those is better. Even now, I'm not sure I agree that mm-hmm. it's demonstrably different, but I think most people would agree that when you get to 18 down, things get kind of slim picking. So we know that means that the market for quarterbacks in the offseason are going to be big yeah we know that it's a decent draft certainly three first-rounders that could mm-hmm. start pretty much straight away mm-hmm. i'm guessing the future for the colts is anthony richardson
2: certainly 100%. they're not going to move away 100 100 i mean no. yeah, go on. tell no. me
3: about tell me about richardson and what you think because you didn't see him for very long but no the, we didn't yeah, you've
2: but... seen enough right correct you know, it's the age one of wonder, the eye test, right? We use the eye test for everything. And it's, it's one of the best things to use because, you know, the numbers don't lie and nor does nor just the, the camera in the sky. As I say, we didn't see him for many games and he didn't finish many games either. But what we did see was a ridiculous talent. Someone who I don't think there's you can put a ceiling on what he can or can't do. For someone his size, who can move the way he moves, who can throw the ball the way he throws the ball, who only played, I think, 14 games in college. Yeah. Obviously, that was that was a whole narrative about whether we, or not he should be drafted because of, you know, he hasn't got the experience. But I mean, you put him in a system with a guy like Shane Steichen who knows what to do with a dual threat quarterback. You insert a, a, a pro Bowl running back, Jonathan Taylor, even Zach Ross, who's great too. Then you have guys in the outside that like pick Pittman and you've got the tight ends. I'm like early Cox and, and, um, Carl Granton. And I think you'd be surprised because we saw what he could do. We saw the flashes as well. And I mean, there's a whole talk about, you know, having to slide out of bounds and I get, I do get a lot of that. I understand that, but at the end of the day, he is a dual threat quarterback. He can launch the ball 50, 60 yards downfield if he needs to, but he can also run the ball like he did many times. He, I think he scored about four or five touchdowns in the, yeah. the number of games that he played. So for him, it's very unfortunate. Um, I'm in touch with his athletic trainer, who I'm due to have on the show actually, and he, you know, can't say enough about what people don't realize that he can do. And let's not forget, we have we only saw him for what? If you total how many quarters he played, maybe three, four games, if if that. The ceiling, you know, the the sky is the limit for him. So when he does come back and he's fully healthy. I'm gutted that I didn't get to see him play in Germany. I'm gutted that he hasn't been able to ride out the season with us, but you have to think a long time, you know, you have to preserve yourself. I said it before, the NFL can, you know, be, uh, can stand for not for long. Guys get injured and they never return. So have the surgery, have the, have the rehab, have the recovery, because next season, I'm telling you right now, the Colts are going to be a problem. Um, and I say that, and then um, segue to Minshew, who, you know, you asked for my opinion on Minshew um i respect him because he number one he has a relationship with shane from the eagles already so they have that chemistry and i think from, from day one minshu has said this is anthony richards team which i fully respect you know for him to accept the backup role but for now to be the you know the starting quarterback and the other thing about minshu is when i spoke to him in Jamie, he is so very zen he's just so very what you see is what you get mm-hmm. uh, he's got the flowing hair he's got that's He's very much like blasé, just think whatever happens happens kind of thing. And don't get me wrong, he could be a little bit better at looking after the ball. You know, he tends to, he has tendencies in terms of front interception and technically or potentially throwing away games. (laughs) Um, But at the end of the day, we have to put some respect on what he's done. The Colts are seven and five for a reason. You know, there's no, there's nobody else in that quarterback for him doing it. It is Minshew. So whether people like it or not, whether, you know, people talk about the interceptions or not, and he's got a bit of swag to his game as well. He can run. He scored a few rushing touchdowns. So we have to give him his flowers. He's getting the job done
3: you know he's definitely one of those players that you got to take the rough with a smooth right yeah he galvanizes a team and he has he has that capability i think which is so important in, in in a quarterback that he not to the degree of the really top talent that are able to do this but he can magic something out of nothing right and he is that kind of that kind yeah. of player that is can be an x factor now not in clearly not in the same way <laughs> that Allen or Mahomes and, and and the very top guys can, but he has, he has shades of that definitely, and and I guess yeah. the flip side of that is that you kind of far best he'll force the issue too much. Baker's bake mm-hmm. maybe a better comparison, I, I guess that he'll. Um, it is a roller coaster ride with him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but that's kind of what that's what you get, and and the, the positives of that we've seen in, in full effect in terms yeah. of how he's uh, in really kind of infused about everything. He kind of brings his teammates up, and they obviously love him. And you're right, the backup role, it's a difficult gig. And yeah, we touch on it, on it a lot, the narrative of these are guys that are alphas their whole lives, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> their whole lives. They're <laughs> the stars. And then, and in Minshew's case, obviously had, is one of those backups that has had a reasonable number of shots as a starter. And yep. yet, kind of has to make, make, do right now be, to borrow your phrase then with, okay, I'm the number two here and and that's okay because when I get my shot, I'll step up and roll. But will he get yeah. a shot based on how he's playing as a starter next season? Do you think the market as it is might look at Minshew and think, yeah, yeah, okay, he's, he's worth a shot.
2: I reckon there possibly will be some inquiries because again, we've, we've spoken about it on this show here that the level of quarterback play and the number of backups, if you like, that have been involved, are, they've got to be close to an all time high right now. Yeah. Um, so you look at guys who, you know, are in that second position and Minchu is probably one of the better ones, if not one of the, the best backups out there because you said that he's got the experience. He's been the main man. He's had you know he was at the Jags for a long time. He's had the Eagles. He's he's had the playing experience. He's played at the top level. Um, and albeit he can make mistakes, you know, like all quarterbacks do, he he shows time and time again that he has the capability to get it done. I don't think we'll be letting him go anytime soon purely because, you know, now especially what we've seen with what he's doing, the coach being at seven and five, we bring Anthony Richardson back, um, and he will be the starting guy. And we always know that, you know, if anything goes wrong, we need to bring in Minshew, he's capable yeah. getting it done for us so yeah. I think people may come knocking at the door um, I don't think he'll be let go but the other thing I want to touch on quickly is is again I mentioned it is putting players in positions to succeed right the offense was built around Anthony Richardson it was built for Anthony Richardson it was that's the reason why we have Shane Sarkin you know he has experience so when you then, and this is just more flowers for Minchu really and the whole cultural innovation, when you then bring in Minchu who is a completely, completely different quarterback, you now have to revamp everything, mm. everything, because you don't have the dual threat ability. So for the Colts to be whoever they are, honestly, I, honestly, I can't say enough about how well this team is performing.
3: It's a great it's a great point. Um, and I hadn't considered that at all, actually, just how, because you, when you're looking at backup quarterbacks, and this is something that we have examined this season really, particularly to your point, given... How many injuries there have been and uh, and i guess the way that the nfl offenses collectively have evolved that's more likely to happen maybe than it was yeah within the pocket six five lack of mobility yeah exactly <laughs> exactly ago, right so back up the backup position has become more important than it, that it used to be and it's a head scratcher when you think about the lack of investment from a number of teams mm. and i know that it's a lot to do with the market and it's easier than done to find a backup as good as Gardner. And and, and and the right fit as well is often the key. So you might have a more unheralded player, but obviously there is a sense that he's a better fit for this offense. And I yeah. guess in Minshew's case, to your point, the connection with Steichen was, was more prevalent in, mm-hmm. in the decision-making. But he's one of the higher paid backups, definitely. I wonder if we're going to yeah. see a market correction here that despite salary cap challenges that backups are going to get Gonna get paid more, um, but again, if there's the market for them, right? Because it's all very well saying a Teddy, a Minshew level player, there aren't that many mm-hmm. of them, right? And you look at, well, you mentioned earlier what's happened with Jacksonville, right? Trevor Lawrence. So they, yeah. let's get to that because obviously this is quite integral because you're still in the hunt for the for the division, right? I mean, yeah. you have to be in the hunt for the division. Yeah, you and the Texans, and let's look at the Jags running, which is mm, reasonably. Good as far as they're concerned, although depends on the Lawrence injury. So they've got the Browns, Ravens, Bucks, Panthers, and Titans. Is there?
2: In- so those uh, two first games, I and mean, with CJ Beathard, as I mean, yeah. I saw something about potentially not ruling out. Trevor Lawrence which I'm not buying and the guy couldn't even walk I mean I know we've seen Mahomes do it when he had ankle sprain and came back and played but the end result is never good and again the Jags are in a position where they need to think seriously now they're at the top of the division yeah do you risk it by putting him back in and potentially ruining your chances altogether or put in CJ Buffett who has I mean exactly and then the Ravens who by the way and then the Bucks for the for the record right I mean yeah the Ravens defense are looking like the defense of his year 2000 exactly so I think it's CJ Beathard moving forward, which isn't obviously Mm -hmm. great. Also, you have to say uh, Christian Kirk, wide receiver for the Jags, is about to have surgery on a core muscle injury, which is is also very very hurtful to their team. So that alone completely shakes up the AFC South one hundred percent. I mean, Kirk's a good shout, man. I mean, crazy underrated Kirk. Mm -hmm. There are
3: as as Propo constantly berates me for um, the legendary Amari Cooper take. When everyone slated the Cooper deal, and I was the sol- the lone voice, George. It's <laughs> kind of in the same boat with Kirk, right? Which you remember, when Kirk, the deal was done, and everyone was mm. saying overpaid, overpaid. What are they doing? As you rightly said, it's all about situation, and if this if it's the right fit for team and player, you can never really overpay. Well, you exactly. can In the case of the Browns and the Sean Watson, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. That. Uh, what a what, mess. I mean, wow! What a mess. But. Yeah. Yeah, this is what Doug Peterson said about the the Trevor Lawrence injury. We'll see in a couple of days. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. When your head coach is saying that, that's he's out. He's out for two yeah. weeks at least.
2: He has to be. I mean, high ankle sprains we see it all the time, and with the exception of Mahomes, who I still don't know how he managed to do what he did when he had his ankle sprain. There's yeah. no way he can. He there's there's no way. There isn't. It's impossible.
3: Yeah, and if he comes back, they risk him sixty five percent. It's just yeah. The, against Miles Garrett. Against Miles Garrett, no thanks. Yeah. The, the Mahomes playing through was interesting. Up there with Rivers. Remember Rivers playing in a torn ACL. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, yeah. How is that I don't know how these guys...
3: My God. So <laughs> they've got. So that's the Jags run. The Texans. They, well, they have got the Jets this weekend. Yes. Um, good defense. Titans twice. Browns and of course the Colts, as we said at the end. Mm-hmm. It's kind of pretty
2: even, really. It is. The, I mean, respect to runners. Yeah, the only thing, and it's interesting because if you look at, if you rule out the Titans for now, the Colts have injuries of their own. No AR, no Jordan for Taylor right now. Yeah. The, uh, the Texans have just lost Tankdale, who's one of the best rookies we've seen. The rookie connection from CJ Stroud to Tankdale, he's broken his leg out for the season. And you mentioned the Jags, who have got Christian Kirk now out for the season, and also Trevor Lawrence potentially out for three or four games. So they're a the, the very strong determining factor for each of these three teams who are all in the hunt. So it is, and you mentioned that the schedule, I mean, it sounds like the Jags have a bit of a, bit more of a rough opening couple of games from here on out with the Browns and, and, and the Ravens, because that's horrible. But mm. the Texans still got a great shout We've still got a great shout up there. I say it, the Jags probably too. I mean, being that they're eight and four already it's gonna make for more better divisions in terms of how this is gonna end.
3: I'm gonna get on to this with Propo on Edge Rush on Friday, uh and Benny because I quite, I'm quite liking the look of the Colts for the division. I don't wanna jinx it here yeah. don't blame <laughs> me, George if it all goes but yeah, yeah, I think the the Kirk injury definitely and, and the delay, Lawrence coming back, assuming he missed a couple mm-hmm. of games. CJ Beathard, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, the Jets game—that's who the Texans have this weekend. Um, yeah. Fourteen news coming from the New York Jets camp in the last twenty-four hours. Really interesting. So they have cut Tim Boyle. Maybe no surprise there. They've added mm-hmm. Brett Rippey in. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting pickup. I mean, jeez. The the report suggesting that Zach Wilson doesn't want to play.
2: Yeah i that that is a problem
3: that is i mean what <laughs> this is this just try let's try and deconstruct this a bit so let's assume it it is accurate and quite a few different reliable sources have reported this so we can assume it's reasonably probable that something hmm. is going on in that respect If that was doesn't want to play it's either i guess it's one or two things right His confidence is so shot that he's basically Mm -hmm. the he's got the shakes and he can't just can't do it. Um, And and you know, in all seriousness, there might be a sense of um, within the organization that this is an asset. And I know it might be difficult to conceive Zach Wilson as an asset right now, given how the struggles he's had. But you know, obviously, it was a high draft pick. They've invested a lot in him, and I think the belief was very much there's still potential here. The game plan, sitting under Rodgers, give him another shot. They didn't see it coming this season, right? So they might be a, there might be a sense of some people in the organization reading this and thinking, yeah, he's just we need to protect him. But the story seems to suggest that they want him to play, and he doesn't. Right. Play. That yeah has to be agent. That has to be from the Wilson camp. The agent saying, we're out of here. Yeah, we think there's a market for the reasons we were just talking about five minutes ago. We're not going to risk. In this situation, injury obviously, or just more damage to reputation. Really fascinating story, George. I think.
2: I mean, I actually personally think he's their best option. I really do. I don't think. I mean, I know he hasn't been great, but I personally think he's their best option. So if Sam Ripin, obviously Zach doesn't want to play, Is, who's it remain the third guy because they've obviously let Boyle go. I so I guess who.
3: they've take let Boyle go. Yeah, that's that's a good point actually. Let's have a look. So yeah, I think oh. who it. How installed is. himself on the depth chart? Oh, of course, it's Trevor Simeon who, um, who we saw.
2: We saw uh, yes, talking. Trevor Simeon, who is, yeah, he was great. He did some great things for the Broncos when he was there. Um, so this is where it gets sticky, right? Because the players, and similarly, where some reliable sources, I'm, I'm hearing the players actually wanted, you know, Zach because I guess they know what he's capable of doing. Um, and now, you know, New York is never easy. The New York media, the New York press, you know, they come down to you know, like a ton of bricks when things don't go well because it's New York, right? you're not, you're, you're filling in as Zach Wilson for Aaron Rodgers already, there's a hell of pressure on your shoulders. Mm. Then you go out and you know, you don't perform. The squad isn't doing very well. And it's basically on the defense to win games Then they haven't won many games. So as a human being now, if you put the, you know, you put put everything else aside as a human being, Zach is probably feeling, you no, know, he's probably in a bad way, a really bad way. He's, he's been the guy to take the brunt of it all. Yes. He made some completions. Yes. I don't know. He probably won a couple games, whatever it is, but He's probably feeling the brunt of this. And for him, it's all down to him. He's the face of it all. I know you've got Robert Salah there, but he's probably thinking, Do you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm done with being the guy to take the fall for it all and being the guy to not be able to replace Aaron Rodgers and, you know, being just being at the target man. So I can as a from a human perspective, from an emotional perspective, I can understand him saying that. My concern is how does that then rub off on the rest of the team? Mm. Because you know, they always talk about playing for their brothers and, you know, never giving up and et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you know, that locker room's got to be bitter right now. The defense probably feel like it's on them and a lot of it is on them. So as Zach, who's obviously, you know, the, the team will have heard that he's almost refusing to come back in. Do the squad now? I mean, I feel like there will be some of them who perhaps support his decision in terms of, you know, you've been the guy to try and help us win him, although you don't have the tools that you've given it a shot. But I can only imagine that another half of the locker room, maybe the majority are thinking you're the quarterback, you know, you're the guy yeah, who the it. team wants yeah. to, and if you don't want to step in, then what kind of message does that does that show? So it's really tricky because I feel like this could divide the locker room, oh, both for but, the coaches too.
3: For sure, uh, and it's been an interesting test for Salah, I think, who um, has dealt with, with some bad blows, I think is a really... Um, really exciting head coaching prospect in terms of his future direction i think a lot of negativity about the jets and Mm -hmm. it's fallen on salah because as you said the offensive was but salah as we know has is a defensively minded head coach and i think where would the jets be if rogers was playing this season i think they would quite conceivably be a playoff team um Mm -hmm. hey listen couple other quick things that we're gonna wrap with 57 seconds incidentally uh, you're going to take the 57 seconds challenge. Try and top the leaderboard, George, uh, which is currently seven. I think is is top of the leaderboard. I think it's J Bell. Phoebe might have matched J Bell. Uh, we'll have to check. Check the seven. The boys will put out the leaderboard this week, maybe. Cool. Um, but Propo not here again. I mean, he is frankly part timering it right now. I think he's mm-hmm. just got. Uh, we talk about the the message that Zach Wilson sends to the jets locker room propos absence once again from the midweek record the message Mm -hmm. that's sending out to the nc show faithful i don't know george i'm i'm disappointed frank and i I feel that he really needs some stern talking to in the offseason um but he has kind of made amends by sending me a story as we've been recording oh okay Uh, did you see the parsons quote on tyreek hill seen this Mm, i haven't either right so and and to be fair to to Parsons here. Um I haven't listened to it. I'm just basically looking at the the link to the story that old okay. sent. They've quoted him directly on a bleacher report show he was on. Um, I could be Tyreek's quarterback, he said. I could throw it up to, to Cheetah. Uh, it, now he might be being playful here, but the suggestion is that he's being dispatched into mm. the capabilities of, of, yeah. of Tua. Yeah. And and it's kind of segues nicely, I think, into we talked about the coach of the year race. The MVP race is fascinating. No mm-hmm. so one's really grabbing it by the scruff of the neck. I firmly believe Tyreek Hill should be in serious consideration for it. Where do you-
2: 100%. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the only issue I have with this award is they just love to give it to the quarterback yeah. year in, year on. I mean, I think the last guy who was non was Adrian Peterson when he went for, I think, 2,000 yards. So, in my opinion, there are two guys who I think non-quarterbacks who are up there. Tyreek Hill, because I, I know for sure he'll break that 2000 yards mark. And, I mean- if he does that, how can you not give him the MVP? You know, it'd be daylight That's robbery. But also Christian McCaffrey, because, you know, for someone who's utilised in so many different ways um, and is consistent at the level that he is, at, you know, the high level of play, scoring touchdowns. I mean, he can pass touchdowns too, and, you know, he creates pick-your-poison options for, for defences. He's another guy who I feel like should be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of quarterbacks, because obviously quarterbacks, you know, they are important to the game. Someone who I think is up there is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott and, and Purdy. Um, Dak, because, you know, America's team have their own struggles every year and it kind of follows the same narrative. Do well, get to the playoffs, fall apart. Um, And I say right now, Dak is looking very, very good. You know, the Cowboys, they got a a huge game with the Eagles this weekend. That's going to be a, a hell of a game. So we'll see what happens there. But Dak is looking great and I have to give the flowers when they're due bro um, Brock Purdy, man, I mean, Mr. Irrelevant has shot to fame and become Mr. Relevant in a very short space of time. They absolutely dispatched the Eagles in, in you know, highlight fashion. Mm. Um, and I think Purdy leads the league in a number of different uh, stats. So, you know, for, for him to come in and do what he's doing. And yes, people say Shanahan's offense is a plug and play, but you still have to actually do the job and you still actually have to get the win. So for me, my number one guy would be Tyreek Hill for sure. Um, in terms of non-QB, and I, I, would, I would love to see him win it all, but you know how the league works. I, I, I'm not too sure if if they'll give it to him if he doesn't make that 2,000 yards, but yeah. I do think he'll make it.
3: He'll be daylight robbery if he doesn't get it. And I'm um, yep. all the way, I think Prescott, crazy underrated. Purdy, definitely in the mix. And look, we spent a lot, we spent a lot of time talking about Purdy and is he elite? And, yeah. And so we're not going to get into that now, but I'm with you, <laughs> with you on 100%. You mentioned that Cowboys-Eagles game. One of the game I want to get your take on quickly and, and one particular take. Mm -hmm. from this weekend slate is chiefs bills oh is it win or bust for buffalo
2: my gosh um i think it's too late for them, it's done. They've they, the time this season is not a write off, but it, it's too late for them. The uphill battle was too long. It's mm-hmm. too hard for them to climb. I feel. Um, I said at the start of the season that the Bills, and it might be a bit premature, but the Bills' window to win is closing. Let's not remember, like let's not forget. This is the Buffalo Bills squad who I know back in the day, you know, made it to four Super Bowls back to back and didn't win any. The pressure has been on ever since then. Mm-hmm. Brandon Saley, uh, sorry, Brandon Saley's Chargers. Um, Sean McDermott and Brandon Beane, the GM, were extended in this offseason season, um, and still this team, you know, they a lot of it. You can't, it's hard. For me, I've always felt like they need more help. They've needed more help in the wide receiver room. I know they've got running backs, Murray and, and James Cook, who are efficient, but there's just something missing in this squad and they can never get over that hump. And now you're facing Kansas City, who are, I will say are vulnerable. I mean, you just saw them lose to the Packers and they, I think lose to the, the Broncos. I think they lost to the Broncos too. Yeah. Um, they still sit at the top of division, eight and four, but the Bills, I think at six and six, if they can, if, if, if they can win this game, there's a shot. There's potentially a shot. Because they're in the they're in the hunt. They're not seeded right now, um, but they have to win this game. So to your point, if they don't win this game, it's a wrap. It's done. Yeah, and
3: you're you're right though. If they win it, I reckon that can kick start. There's got this theory about the Bills that because they yeah. got crazy running, if they can, they're going to run the table. But if they can mm-hmm. pick up a couple of big scalps like that, I think could be a dating note and they could. in the back. Yeah, the dangerous position because they'll they'll mm-hmm. have that swagger, right? Yeah. Okay. Great week lined up. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant, getting a deeper dive onto the Colts from you and, and that whole ASC South, which is one of and the future certainly one of the most oh, yeah. exciting divisions in football. Loving what's happening in the ASC South, but we're going to wrap things up. We'll yep. Checking with Benny in a bit and and the FSU rant. So I uh, would get earplugs, ear muffs ready for that. He's he's so wound up, George. He's been messaging us constantly <laughs> all week long when the news broke at the weekend. So uh, that's going to be that's going uh, mm. to be interesting. Uh, where he takes that. But we're going to wrap up with 57 seconds. So you know the drill by now. I'm going to fire as many questions as I can in 57 seconds. Just to verify, there is this. <laughs> I'm not cheating. I've got no skin in the game. Uh, I just want you to 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 live up to your potential on on this, George.
2: Fingers uh, crossed.
3: Fingers crossed. <laughs> it's going to be a mixture of football, of football trivia, and subjective questions where I will decide if it's the right or the wrong answer. Okay. I'm kind of generous soul, so uh, you, you'll be good. All right, you set. You happy? Let's go. Time starts now. What number did Peyton Manning wear for the Denver Broncos?
2: 18.
3: Yeah, it was 18. 18? Yeah. Reggie Wayne when he was at the Colts? 87. 87. Two out of two. The NFL player that you'd most like to have alongside you in a
2: bar fight? Oh, Marshall Lynch.
3: Lynch. Done. I'll take that. Definitely a point there. You're booking the Super Bowl halftime show. Who's on? Usher. Well, that's this year. I've no. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... Okay. <laughs> uh... oh, Who'd I see Usher with? Special Justin team. Timberlake. Timberlake, I'll give you a half point. Uh, if the okay. Chiefs make the Super Bowl, the NC show team member most likely to get an interview with Taylor Swift. Is it me, Carlson, Benny, or Propo? You. Ah, oh, definite point for that. <laughs> Propo has famously never watched The Wire or The Sopranos. Have you watched either or both? None. Oh my God, George. Enough- <laughs> All right. <laughs> One more question. This clock has stopped, but you're going to get this in. The Super Bowl winner in Vegas in February is who?
2: San Francisco 49ers.
3: Let me see. I'm going to check if we're going to give the point for the 49ers. We're going to give you a half point for that. and put the other <laughs> half point up to one point. There we go. Hey, <laughs> return. You, said you, did, you did yourself proud there. It could have gone cataclysmically bad. It could have. So you're just... That's what you could of hoping for in 57 seconds, right? You don't know yeah. out with one. We'll put that out this week. Uh, Seven of the boys over on social. We'll release that, of course. Lots of clips from this will be over on our YouTube channel, The NC Show. George, before we get out of Dodge, you mentioned your show earlier, which is terrific. Plug that to our listeners. Where can they go to hear more of your work?
2: Uh, So thank you, firstly, Noah. It's it's George on Sports um, across all platforms, whichever podcast platform you use, but also YouTube, uh, Twitter or X, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, pretty much everywhere, George on Sports. You can find me in some of my content there. Um, Let me know what you think.
3: He is one of the brightest talents in the business and you will attest to that based on the last 45, 50 minutes hearing his take on stuff. Been an absolute pleasure catching up with you, man. Check in soon.
2: Thank you very much, Nat.
3: George was brilliant, wasn't he? He'll be back. You can guarantee that. He's going to be out in Vegas for the Super Bowl as well. So maybe we'll catch him there, if not before. Right, next up, we mention it at the top. He's been seething. He's been going crimson. No pun intended. Uh, all week long with the news that FSU have not made the college football playoffs. Why the hell not? What's gone down? Let's check in with our fave college expert and, of course, all-pro member of the NC Show crew, the brilliant
0: Ben Isaacs.
3: Now, Ben, I have forewarned the gang that you are not a happy man. I used the um, regrettable pun, Crimson, earlier on in terms of the (laughs) uh, turning up since this came in, uh, this news came in. But in all seriousness, you are furious about it. FSU, I think it's fair to say, have been wrong. Let, let's paint the picture because I know a lot of our fans will be across it, but there's probably a chunk that aren't and don't quite understand what's happened. So every year at this stage of proceedings, America picks, America, America. They all <laughs> vote. In America, there are four teams selected for the the college championship playoffs, the national championship playoffs. It's a recently new evolution, isn't it? A few years back, it was just the two teams that go straight into it. Then it became a four team knockout tournament. And it's it's
1: selected by who and based on what? It's selected by the college football playoff committee. um, And the members of that committee uh, change. Um, And each, basically, from about two thirds of the way through the season, they all get together at a particular hotel resort in Grapevine, Texas, just outside Dallas. And they sit and watch the games together over the weekend, which sounds like a lot of fun, I'll be (laughs) honest. They watch the games they then spend hours and hours talking about the games to produce a top 25 ranking. Wait a minute, what and, are the, oh, the games that have just happened the week before? So, ha- yeah, Well, all, they, they they watch the games the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in effect, yeah. together. And then they spend Sunday and Monday discussing those games and what order the team should be in. And then during the regular season on a Tuesday, those that 25 ranking is is put out there. And I like you the can. Game. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be pedantic, but do they no, no. every game. I mean, I think they probably watch the key games and it might be that certain people are watching some games and not everyone is watching every single game, but they can bring it to the table. And the thing is, is that although college football has had the top 25 votes for a very long time, I mean, we have the AP top 25, we have the coaches top 25, and I'm part of the uh, UK and Ireland media poll. And we put out a top 25. It's all in effect for fun and entertainment. It doesn't, none of those counts. All that counts now is the, is the college committee. And really what really, really counts for them. Although the rankings decide who can play in what bowls people really care about that top four. So during the season, it might be that you're outside the top four because you've got tough games coming up and that you've got the chance. Once you show what you can do in those tough games, you'll jump up. So people used to, people used to stress in like kind of October of like, oh my God, my team is sixth. Mm-hmm. Look, it's fine because it'll all come out in the wash. That's how we always felt. It'll all come out in the wash and it will be fine. Like us and in were- our DraftKings Listener league, basically. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. The last the five truth, weeks we've the out, make some
3: money for shelter because at yeah. the moment uh, we are going to be deeping, deep diving into the uh, the NC Show bank account <laughs> yeah. to fill the gap. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Right. So yeah, carry on. Um, Yeah. So, um, so when we, when we get to this point of the season, after the conference championship games have happened, that's the final ranking. And that's where you find out who exactly is going to be in those games. Now we've ended up with a few teams with one loss and a few teams that were unbeaten, that they won their conference championship and were unbeaten. Um, Michigan, as I mean, I, I called all the major games correct against the spread. Let's 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 mention that yeah, in actually, Edge ben, Rush.
3: Ben on Edge Rush. To be fair, you did. You called uh, Alabama to cover. I took a bit of that action.
1: Um, you got Texas as well, didn't you? Yeah, Texas to cover, FSU to cover, yeah, FSU. and Michigan to cover. The one I got wrong was Tulane SMU, which yeah, isn't well, one of the big ones. But there we go. Good, you should point out that despite Ben's
3: obvious brilliant knowledge of the college game built up over years and years and years he's a terrible picker <laughs> when, it comes, <laughs>
1: when it comes to that side of things so you things look it up you know on that one. yeah 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 something something's gone right yeah. um so the conference championship games were played michigan won uh, michigan won comfortably um washington beat oregon washington were unbeaten but they were they were big underdogs against oregon but they they beat oregon those two perfect seasons unbeaten everyone happy with them at 1 and 2 everyone i don't think anyone is going to argue with michigan one washington at 2 with what they've done and then you had texas who had one loss already a, a, to a bad oklahoma team they they won their conference ooh they're in contention now florida state Jordan Travis, their star quarterback, was injured a few weeks ago. He hadn't been playing. Their backup got injured with a concussion. So with their third string quarterback, they beat Louisville in the, in the ACC Conference Championship, which as far as I was concerned, I thought, OK, well, they're in, you'd feel. Um, Georgia surprisingly lost to Alabama. And then that caused chaos because clearly the committee wanted to put Alabama in. They really wanted Alabama in. And I think they would have been happy to put Alabama at number three and Florida State at number four, but there's a problem. During the regular season, Texas and Alabama played each other. Texas won quite comfortably away at Alabama. The committee felt there is no way they could then put Alabama in, leave Texas out when they had a head-to-head victory over them. So they put Texas at three, Alabama at four, and for the first time ever, an unbeaten Power Five conference champion was left out. Now, the argument has always been: are they picking the best four teams or the four most deserving teams? And every year, I think really it's generally been accepted, you know what? The four best are the four most deserving. That there isn't really a there isn't really a, a dispute there. If someone says to me I think Texas or Alabama are better than Florida State right now, especially with Jordan Travis injured. I completely get where they're coming from. I get it. I think that's a valid opinion. I don't think someone is crazy for saying, I think Alabama would beat FSU or I think Texas would beat FSU. I get it. However, why play the games? Why play the games and have a team go unbeaten, literally do everything they could, win every single game and not get in? Do you know what Alabama and Texas, you want to get in, try winning all your games. If you lose a game in the college football regular season, that can be disastrous. It's the best regular season in American sports because in effect, every week is a playoff. If you lose, you could be done. We were at Florida State versus Miami, a big rivalry game. But the bigger issue was Florida State had no margin for error. Miami wanted to ruin their season Mm -hmm. and Miami win, Florida State are done. There is no way they would be picked for the playoff. Absolutely no way.
3: To, to jump in here, do you? firstly, we've got to look at strength of schedule. So obviously in, in Alabama's case, they are in the SEC. Is it a tougher schedule? Is it is it harder for them to in terms of the win-loss record
1: based on who they've got to face? In general, yes. However, I would say this. If the SEC is so good this year, and the thing is you've got to look at it in isolation, it can't just be that, oh, like a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Georgia, they should have been in. They've won the last two national championships. The key players on those national championship teams, where are they now? They're in the NFL. That doesn't help them now. those stats on, uh, on edge rush from games played 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the SEC has historically, over the last two decades, been the strongest conference, partly due to Alabama's dominance, on the national stage but if the sec is so good this year why is it that fsu played two SEC teams this year away from tallahassee won them both Mm -hmm. one with a backup quarterback and one absolutely hammering lsu who are possibly the third best team in the sec if the sec is so good why is it that the acc that's florida states conference why is it in the head-to-head matchups between acc teams and the sec teams this season the ACC won more than the SEC. Mm. If the SEC is so good, now, I'm not saying the SEC isn't good, but if you're if if people are going to hold it up as, ah, oh, well, it's so that's good, it. so, why don't you take into account Florida State's victories over the SEC and true. the ACC's victories over the SEC?
3: Very fair point. Okay, secondly, you mentioned Jordan Travis's injury. How much bearing does that have in the sense that um, when you're weighing up the four teams for the playoffs... Do you have to take into effect into account, I should say, the strength of that team at that point, how competitive they're gonna to likely to be in in the playoffs? Or so to flip it another way, without Jordan Travis, they're a very different team. So should that very different team, given their retrospective success, be granted a spot? Or do you look at it, well, it's a bit like saying I'm doing my power rankings in the NFL? If the Kansas City Chiefs will typically be at number two, Mahomes goes out injured, they're not number two anymore for obvious reasons.
1: Mm. Um, it's it the committee have never said explicitly that that is an issue. However, they said the FSU right now is not the team they were a few weeks ago, which is code for saying their quarterback got injured. And I get that, right? Now Let's say in your power rankings with the Kansas City Chiefs, you think, "Ooh, they're not strong without Patrick Mahomes." But what if they were still winning their games? Maybe they were not blowing teams out. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think, "Oh, I, I hope they yeah, don't make they the play playoffs."
3: Michigan, right? I mean, I get it, but you know, it's a different proposition, and then respect to to EFC for even doing it, obviously. But I kind of understand that
1: argument a little bit, and it's not. It's oh, not I, fair, It's a bad break, but yeah, kind of, I. I I understand it as well, but let's, let's go back 12 months and TCU surprisingly made their way into the playoff deservedly, but surprisingly, they made their way into the playoff and a lot of people were not happy because they said, look, okay, they've had a good record. They've had a really good season, but you put them in the playoff and they are going to be completely out of place. Yeah. They're going to get blown out. They've got Michigan, Michigan are going to kill them. Yeah. It's pointless. What happened? TCU won comfortably against Michigan. Yes. That's why you... This is why we play the games. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, you can look at Florida State and be like, they're not the same team without Jordan Travis. But you know what? I feel they've earned their shot. Yeah, yeah They've yeah. earned their shot. Sure. And who knows what will happen? Maybe they'd get blown out. But we thought that about TCU and it went the other way. But it's why we play the games. All right. Last one from me. You mentioned Alabama making it in.
3: Is this... The crux of this stitch up, which is we see it, and again, understandably, if not justifiably, in other leagues where what obviously they can't come out publicly and say this, but if the Major League Baseball are looking at a World Series, they want a Dodgers Yankees World Series, they don't, they don't want the Florida, whatever World Series, right? They want the big guns in there. So is that what's happened here? It's Alabama, a big draw, big box office, big TV ratings. That's why they've been given the nod.
1: Yeah, I think a big part of this is they are creating a TV product. And this isn't like some kind of sinister conspiracy theory. But you know, this this is known. They are creating a TV product of what will those semifinals look like. There's been speculation in the past that oh, they would they would rank teams in a certain way depending on what semifinals they wanted to see, rather than simply one, two, three, four, if you see what I mean. Now, Florida State are a big are a big draw, but Alabama are the biggest draw right now, even, even when they've been second fiddle to Georgia. It's basically the two the two most high-profile national teams are Alabama and Notre Dame. And when either of those teams have got a shot at the playoffs, the playoff committee will want them in because it gets a lot of eyeballs. People will want to either see Alabama win or want to see them lose. The idea of the fact that They've got Alabama versus Michigan in primetime TV is great. And more people will watch that than Michigan versus FSU with a second string quarterback. And that is mainly what it comes down to. And my attitude is that means the games that Florida State played didn't matter because they're irrelevant
3: now. Ben, I appreciate you swinging by. Obviously, you're going to be with us on Edge Rush and FFS on Friday. I appreciate you swinging by today to to break it all down for us. Try and avoid a breakdown of your own, by the way. With the- <laughs> uh, you know, the thing I'm most upset about, Bud, um, if FSU had made the national championship game, there was talk we were going to go out to that. Now, yeah, that's true. I'd forgotten that. Gothic by this, this ridiculous decision. Now uh, it's personal. That was personal. I am. <laughs> furious about that maybe we should go out anyway bud let's try and let's try and, well actually no, we've we just established that any, any short change we've got left in the NC show that's <laughs> going yeah. go to a proper cause not yeah, that's better that's that. better fair enough um, mate brilliant stuff at tweets from Ben is how you follow the big man on Twitter like I say i will be back Friday with me and Propo Friday morning we're recording that so it should drop around Friday lunchtime uh, good to catch up with you bro look after yourself cool see you soon take care bud bye Podcast Network.